to introduce, we have a guest speaker today. I had um, him slated to preach before we had discussed with the elders anything about a sabbatical, uh, but I wanted to have him come preach in between sermon series for kind of a one-off, and that is Dr. David Hardage. He's the executive director of our Texas Baptist, our state convention. The reason I wanted him to come preach today, and he's kind of got a hard task because I assigned him his topic, and he was gracious enough uh, to, to take on the task. But I asked him, I said, would you come and preach on why we are Southern Baptists, and what does that mean? And obviously, he's going to preach the Word. But, you know, Southern Baptists have kind of gotten a bad rap, well, multiple times, but uh, recently quite a few times. And what has happened with our Texas Baptists is under Dr. Hardage's leadership, Texas Baptists have over and over again uh, been shown to be leading the way in racial reconciliation, in the abuse scandal that, that came out in the Southern Baptist Convention. The one state convention that was named, the one entity that was named in a positive light in that was our state convention, the Texas Baptist. Uh, they were already doing things and they had been doing things to address these issues. And so we really have a wonderful state convention that we are a part of, and also through them supporting mission works all over the world. And in fact, our youth ministry, the last two years, their mission trips that they've gone on have been with Bounce, which is a ministry of Texas Baptist. And so we have quite a few connections with our state convention, and I just wanted Dr. Hardage to come and share from his heart some and to help us understand that God really is doing a great work in the Southern Baptist Convention and our Texas Baptist, and we are a part of that as First Baptist Church of Liberty City. And so, if you would, would you please welcome Dr. Hardage as he comes to preach the message this morning. Dr. Hardage. All right. Well, thank you. Let me just start with that. Um, you know, the... Well, this is going to be a little bit different today, uh, so I'll do my best to make it sound like a sermon, uh, but I do want to talk with you a little bit about who we are and what we do as Baptists, as Texas Baptists, and I'll get to all of that, but I want to start with just a word of thanks. First of all, I want to thank your pastor for his friendship, so grateful for that, and, and thank him for his ministry. I want to thank you as a church for... Uh, your involvement with us and your support of us. We couldn't do the ministries we do. We couldn't have the mission work that we have were it not for people like you and churches like this. So I just want to say thank you. And then I just I want to affirm what you are doing for your pastor with his sabbatical. I work with about 5,000 pastors all over the state of Texas. And I can tell you that they are all tired. And they all need a break. We've helped several hundred have breaks like you're allowing your pastor. I just want to affirm that. Thank you. It's the right thing to do. So I just want to say thank you. So I'm going to break my, my message today up into two parts. So part one are some ABCs. And part two will be some basic questions that I want to ask and try to answer. But the first part, the ABCs of what does it mean and why are we Baptist and Southern Baptist? So I can't get to all of it, but I want to hit some high spots. I want to start with an A, which is affirmation. 
And when I think about the church, I think the thing that you need to hear me say in terms of affirmation is this. As a convention of churches, we affirm what we call the autonomy of the local church. Now you ask, what does that mean? That means that I do not, we do not, no one in our Baptist world tries to tell First Baptist Church, Liberty City, what to do. You are, you're on your own. Not necessarily, but we do not exercise authority over you. What God leads this church to do, where God leads this church to go in mission and ministry, that's the business of the local church. So, in, when it, there are a lot of things we affirm, but I just wanted to start with this one affirmation today. We affirm the autonomy of First Baptist Church, Liberty City. God bless you doing what God leads you to do. We don't tell the pastor what to preach, how to preach. We just pray for him as he does preach. So, first, affirmation, the autonomy of the local church. Secondly, B, beliefs. Now, we sung about what we believe already this morning, but let me just verbalize that for you today. We have certain things that we believe, and most of those are centered around the person of Jesus Christ. So, may I just remind you of a powerful verse of Scripture. If you have your Bible... Open it with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. Many of you could quote this, but I just want to remind you of it and then tell you a quick story. John, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we believe in God the Father, we believe in the Holy Spirit, and we believe in the center point of that, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a story. A while back, I was invited to serve on a religious panel. Now, this panel took place on the campus of one of the major universities here in the state of Texas. When they called and asked me to come, they said, now remember, you'll be representing all of Christianity. I said, well, you need to remember I'm pretty Baptist, but I'll do my best. And we get past that, but let me just tell you who was on the panel. On the far end of the table, there was a Buddhist monk. And then there was a Muslim imam. And then there was an atheist. Now, see, I never knew why he was on the religious panel. Then there was a Jewish rabbi. Then there was a Mormon bishop. And the last person on the panel was yours truly. Now, this whole thing lasted three hours. The first two hours, we all had to answer the same four very generic kinds of religious questions. But then they opened up the floor to the students to ask any of us any question they wanted to ask. And it was a room about this size, and there were about 500 students there. One of them went to the microphone and asked this question. The student said, Mr. Christian, that was me, could you tell us 
briefly what you believe? How do you say thanks for a question like that in a setting like that? I said, yes, I can. So here's what I believe. I had two answers I wanted to give. I gave them back to back without much of a pause in between because I didn't want there to be a break because I wanted to make sure I got both of my answers in. I said, well, first of all, you need to know that I believe that Jesus Christ, we just read it, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God, and He's the only way to salvation, the only way to eternal life. And I said, if you want to go deeper than that, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe He lived a perfect life. I believe He died on the cross at Calvary. I believe He was buried in a tomb. I believe He was raised again by the power of God. I believe He has ascended into the heavens and is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And I believe He's coming again one of these days to receive all of us unto Himself for all eternity who believe all of that about Him. That's what I believe. So, you know, we kind of get to the end of all that. Yeah, thank you. You know, the best news of the night, the students could come up and talk to us about anything. The longest line of students that night came up and stood in front of me to talk about Jesus. And I stayed there as long as any of them wanted to talk about Jesus. I simply say, as Baptists, as Southern Baptists, there are things we believe. And the core of our beliefs are centered on God the Father, the Holy, Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ, the Son, the only Son of God and the only way to salvation, just as Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16. Affirmation today, just the autonomy of the local church. Beliefs, B, C, commitments. There are certain things that we as Baptists have commitments to. I'm just going to, I could go on a pretty good list here, but I'm just going to mention two. One of those is missions. We have a deep-seated commitment to missions. We do want the whole world to know who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Therefore, we support missions locally. We support missions all across the state. We support missions all across the country. And we support international missions. Missions is at the heartbeat of who we are as Baptists. You can hardly separate the words Baptist from the word missions because we want the whole world to know about Jesus and you, First Baptist Church, Liberty City, help support missions worldwide, sending missionaries all over the world. As a matter of fact, we are now engaged as a Texas Baptist Convention with the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention for a focus on South Asian missions. There are millions and millions of people in South Asia and just a few missionaries, but we as Texas Baptists are going to partner with the International Mission Board to focus on sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people of South Asia. Pray for us. So, commitments to missions and commitments to education. Particularly, theological education. You know, when Baptists first started, one of the things they committed to was making sure that the people who stood behind the pulpit of the church had proper, really fit two categories. One, they were, full, they were truly called by God. And secondly, they were fully equipped to share the good news, to, to accurately divide the word of truth and proclaim that truth well and right to the people in the pew. So as Baptists, we have certain things to which we are committed. One of those is missions. 
Another one of those is to theological education, making sure that the people who are preaching the gospel can rightly divide the word of truth. Now, I could talk about a whole lot more things, but I got a whole lot more things to talk about. And by the way, I I know everybody kind of worried. You've never heard me preach before, and everybody's wondering how long he's going to take. Brevity is one of my spiritual gifts, so just stay calm. So, affirmation, beliefs, commitments, that's who we are. And there's a whole lot more there, but those are the basic things. Now let me get to some questions and answers about who we are as Baptists, but particularly Texas Baptists. So who are we as a Baptist General Convention of Texas? Texas Baptist. We are a convention of churches. We have 5,325 churches that are a part of this convention. You are a vital part of that, and I thank you for it. But let me break that down for you just a little bit. In our convention, more than 1,000 of our churches are predominantly Hispanic. In our convention, more than 800 of our churches are predominantly African-American. In our convention, more than 350 of our churches are different cultures and ethnicities like Asian and African and Arabic. So, a matter of fact, that leads me to say today, August 14, 2022, you, First Baptist Church, Liberty City, are helping us, the Baptist General Convention of Texas, today, this morning. We are preaching the gospel and doing ministry in more than 70 different languages all over the state of Texas. The rest of our churches, 3,000 plus, are churches very much just like this one. But that's who we are. We are a convention of churches. So, who is the Baptist General Convention of Texas? Texas Baptist. We are 5,325 churches scattered all over the state and even a few outside of Texas. So, that's who we are. What do we do? Well, we, we focus on two primary New Testament principles and two New Testament truths. Do you still have your Bibles open? Let me ask you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to read starting at about verse 34. So if you've got your Bible, open it. Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to start at verse 34. It reads like this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, he, Jesus, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what do we do? One of the first things we do is making sure that all of our mission work and all of our ministries fit into a loving God, loving other kind of mission and ministry work. That is the command of Jesus and we take it seriously. So let me talk about what it means to love God for a second. To me, anytime you really come to understand who God is and what He's done, loving Him is a natural response. 
So who is God? Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. Who is this God that we love? He's holy. He's just. He has all power. He has all wisdom and knowledge. He's ever-present. That's who God is. When you understand who God is, and there are many more words, and what He's done, He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, down the cross for us. We witnessed that this morning, the profession of faith in that this morning in baptism. When you understand that, who God is and what He's done through Jesus Christ, loving Him was a natural response. But Jesus didn't stop right there. As we might say, He took it up a notch. He said, love God, and he said, love others. Now, I can't speak for you. Let me speak for me. I find loving God, because I know who he is and what he's done for me in Jesus Christ, I find that to be a natural response. I find loving my neighbors a little more challenging. But I come back to the command. You know, this is not a suggestion from Jesus. He's commanded us to love our neighbors. So, I've, I've settled on it in my heart and in my mind this way. I love God because of who He is and because of what He's done. And I love my neighbors regardless of who they are and regardless of what they've done. We want to make sure as a Texas Baptist convention, we are a loving God and loving others kind of convention. And then the second thing that we do, what do we do? We make sure everything we do falls in line with the Great Commission. And that was read for us. We read that together at the beginning of the service in Matthew chapter 28. But three quick reminders about that Great Commission. The first reminder is the word go. That is an expectation. Jesus, when he says, go and make disciples, that go is an expectation. He expects you and me to go across the street, to go around town, to go all over the state, to go far beyond, but he expects us to go. He instructs us to do two things. He instructs us to baptize and to teach. But what is the command of the Great Commission of Matthew 28? When we read that earlier together, What's the command? The command is to making disciples. So there are two parts to making a disciple. Part one, you tell someone about Jesus. Part two, once that someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, hopefully they can become a part of a church like this and grow and be a mature follower of Jesus Christ. So it's one, salvation, two, discipleship. All of that has to do with making disciples. So as a state convention, what do we do? We do mission and ministry work all centered around the great commandment, loving God and loving others, and all centered around the great commission, making disciples. Question number three, where do we do this work? All this making disciple work, where does that happen? Well, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we follow the geographical progression of Jesus' command in Acts 1-8, you will be my disciples, where? Now, where, what's that geographical progression? You will be my disciples in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So, let's break that down just, just a, a little, little bit. bit. 
as a convention of churches, we help people reach their Jerusalem. So for you today, Jerusalem is Liberty City. Judea, that, that next biggest place out, we think of that in our minds as Texas. That's us. Our ministry work collectively is to reach the state of Texas with the gospel. I think everybody knows Samaria is Oklahoma. And then you go on to talk about the rest of the world. So we just follow that geographical progression. But let me talk about Texas just for a minute. Now, I am a native Texan. I was not born or raised in East Texas, although I pastored First Baptist Church Sulphur Springs for about 14 years a few years ago. I was raised in West Texas, out there where the trees don't get in the way of the scenery. But the way I would say it to you is, the Texas into which I was born is not the Texas I live in today. And if you were to ask me, well, what has changed? My answer would be everything. Can I break that down for you? What has changed? Just starting with the population of Texas. Do you know how many people now call Texas home? About 30 million. So for the past 10 years... We've been adding people to our population somewhere between 350 and 500,000 people a year. So you know what that means per day? Somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 new people call Texas home every single day. And that has not slowed down in the past 10 years. Now, people say, how does that happen? Well... Every single day in Texas, about 500 people die every day. But did you know that every single day in our state, about 1,000 people are born? So on average, that's 500 new Texans every day. Every single day, people migrate into our state from the other 49 states. Now, every day... I don't know why they do it, but they do. Every day people leave Texas and move to one of the other 49 states. But on average, every single day, about 400 more people migrate into Texas from the other 49 states than leave here to go to one of the other 49 states. And then every single day people immigrate into Texas from all over the world. But on average, every day, about 300 more people immigrate into Texas than people who leave here and go to somewhere else in the world. So every day, somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 new people call Texas home. Did you know that today about 50 to 55 percent of every person who's living in our state would claim to be a part of, to belong to, to participate in, on some level, some religion. Now, you turn that coin over, and what does it say? Somewhere between 45 and 55 and 50 percent of everybody who lives in Texas today 
spiritually speaking, doesn't believe in anyone or anything. So, Texas is our ministry focus. When we, where do we do our work? Jerusalem, your Jerusalem, all the Jerusalems in Judea, our Texas, Samaria, that place next to you really is Mexico for us, and we have a great uh, cooperation, cooperative ministry with the Baptist Convention of Mexico. We do tremendous work there, and then we have missionaries all over the world, just ourselves. It's a supplemental work to the International Mission Board where they send missionaries, but we have what we call missionaries, MAP, Missionary Adoption Program. We have almost 100 of our own missionaries in 13 other countries. They are people like from Brazil doing missionary work in Brazil. I could go into that much more detail, but we've got our own little missionary system, which is supplemental to the International Mission Board. So we follow the geographical progression of Acts 1-8. Where? So, why do we exist as a state convention? Why do we even exist? Well, I'm going to give you two reasons and then a story. The first reason we exist is to help a local church. Whatever you as a First Baptist Church, Liberty City, might need, we're here to help you. Now, you will never find me or anyone else on our staff calling out here and saying, hey, it looks to us like you need, we're not going to do that. But if your pastor or anyone else on the church staff or leadership were to call and say, hey, we're doing, we're trying to do this, can you help us? We want to do this better, can you help us? We have a whole staff that exists to help churches do whatever God leads them to do to the best of their ability. That's what we do. We help churches do what God leads them to do. Secondly, why do we exist? We exist to help a local church do what it cannot do by itself. Let me, let me say that again. We exist to help a local church do what it cannot do by itself. Let me give you an example which comes with a story. For example, the Baptist student ministry. What is that? That's, a, that's, that's campus missionaries on college and university campuses all over Texas. So, this fall, you, First Baptist Church Liberty City, will help us put a campus missionary on about 130 college and university campuses all over Texas, right here at Kilgore, right over here at East Texas Baptist University. You help us put a missionary on both of those campuses. Thank you for doing that. Well, every spring, here's my story. Every spring, so just go back to the middle of March of 2020, 2022. In the middle of March, we all, well, let me rephrase that. Those of you who have children in school, enjoy spring break. Spring break doesn't mean much to me as it did once. Uh, but spring break, do you know how many college students go to South Padre Island, Texas, every year for spring break? About 30,000. Now, 
If you only read the newspaper, if you only watch the news, all you're going to hear is about South Padre Island, spring break, 30,000 college students down there for a party. But would you allow me to tell you the rest of the story? A story you, First Baptist Church, Liberty City, help make happen? So every year at spring break, you help us send somewhere between 800 and 1,000 student missionaries to South Padre Island for spring break, a ministry we call Beach Reach. So where do these student missionaries come from? You remember I said we have campus missionaries on 130 college and university campuses all over Texas? Well, these Baptist student ministries, they find students in each one of them, and they train those students on how to have a gospel conversation in a secular setting like South Padre Island. And then every spring break, we'll send about 80 church vans to South Padre Island full of student missionaries to share the gospel at Beach Reach. Now, let me tell you, transparent confession. I go every year. Now, I know what you're thinking. I do not look like a typical spring breaker. That's 100% accurate. As a matter of fact, the first time I went, well, let me, let me explain how this whole ministry works. These vans that we send, they drive up and down South Padre Island all day and all night long giving free rides to all of those college students wherever they want to go. So here's how it works. The van pulls up, side, and we're not sneaking up on anybody. It's got the name of a church on the side of the van. So the van pulls up, opens the side door of the van, group of students standing on the curb, coming out of a bar. We don't care where they are. Open the side door of the van, ask a question. Would you all like a free ride? They don't always say yes. But they often say yes. And then the kind of what happens next is you close the door and drive off just before they realize they've jumped onto a van full of student missionaries. Now, here's my moment of honest, transparent confession. The first time I went, I thought, you know, it'd be a good idea for me to ride in the back of one of these vans just to kind of see what happens. I was riding around for about 30 minutes, and I thought, this is not the best idea I've ever had. I thought two things. One, I thought, it's got to be creepy for somebody my age to be sitting in the back of this van with all these colleagues. And then I thought, I'm sure some of these students are out there asking, who brought their dad to spring break? So, so I get out of the van. I go down to the Island Baptist Church. Now, that church, they give us. I mean, they give us their whole building for spring break. They just turn it over to us. We turn their auditorium into our prayer room. And so that's where I spend my time at spring break. So here's what happens. The students in the van, the student missionaries, and there's, there's one on every seat in every van. When these students get, the, the, these college students jump onto the van, your student missionaries begin to engage them in a conversation, a gospel conversation, if possible. 
And then they take their phones and they tweet their prayer request back to all the students who are praying in the prayer room. And the tweets show up on a big screen like this. And they'll say, pray for so-and-so. We're talking about Jesus now. Pray for so-and-so. And they're running constantly because you've got 80 vans going up and down the island. You've got a student missionary on every seat. And they're all engaged in gospel conversations. And so the, the tweets are, are, are scrolling constantly. But you know what happens? Just, just imagine you're in that prayer room and the following tweet shows up. It says the same thing every time. It will say, praise God tonight, so-and-so. It will give the name of a student. Praise God tonight, so-and-so moved from death to life. So yeah, that happens. It happens all night long. And so now here's another thing to kind of picture in your mind. Thursday afternoon, Spring break, South Padre Island, Texas. Thousands of college students on the beach. But you know who marches right through all of those students? Your 800 missionaries plus all of those students who've come to faith in Christ on the vans during the course of the week and they march out into the Gulf of Mexico for a baptismal ceremony celebrating what Jesus has done. That's why we exist, to help churches do what they can't do by self. You as a church, you can help the BSM at Kilgore. You can help the BSM at East Texas Baptist. But collectively, 5,000 churches, we can put missionaries on 130 campuses and send 800 student missionaries to South Padre Island. That's the power and practice of cooperation, and that's why we exist, to help the church do what it does and then to help the church do what it can't do by itself. When does all this happen? When does all this work take place? Every day. Every single day. And it's been happening that way since 1886. You know where College Station is? So about 25 miles southeast of College Station is a little town called Anderson, Texas. In 1886, listen to this, there were five state conventions already in Texas. That didn't make any sense, but it was the truth. But in 1886, in Anderson, Texas, those five state conventions came together and formed one Baptist General Convention of Texas, one Texas Baptist Convention. And since 1886 to August 14, 2022, when does this mission work happen? When does all this ministry happen? It happens every single day. There's a whole lot more I could talk to you about, but I just wanted to do two things today. The ABCs, very quickly, of what it means to be and why are we Baptist, affirmation, beliefs, commitments, and then five basic questions, who, what, when, where, why do we do this work this cooperative work together. So, I know today was just a little bit different, but I hope you'll leave today feeling good about who you are and the ministry and mission work of which you are a part. Together, we are making a difference. Together, we are 
pushing back the darkness. Together, we are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Together, we are Baptists doing good work for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for our time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his commands to us. Give us a spirit of obedience to adhere, to follow those commands. Forgive us of where and when we have fallen short. And Father, we will always be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory you deserve. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.